I'm going to read from Romans 5, 1 to 5 from the Message Bible. I'll, I'll go slowly so that we can actually take all this in. By entering through faith into what God has all, always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. So he makes us fit for him. That's important to remember. He wants to make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors of our heart to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door of his heart to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. A little bit more. There's more to come. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles. Can anyone relate to that? Anyone ever been hemmed in with troubles? But we continue to shout our praise because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy or in alert faith such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours out into our lives through the Holy Spirit. So whatever we're going through, God's saying, I am enough. I can provide all your needs and I will make a way where you can't see things. My ways are higher than yours. Uh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so we have to have a shift in our thinking and our theology so we can actually live the way that God wants us to. Um, wide open spaces. Keith, Keith and Peter have been on this for about six months, entering into God's wide open spaces. I want it. Um, but do you know what? God's love is conditional. Sorry, God's love is unconditional. But to enter into his wide open spaces, it's based on our obedience and us being posturing ourselves in a place where we're going, God, your way, not my way. So it's a complete surrender. Um, I'll share a little a little testimony. Oh, that, that's the point I was trying to make. That I used to think, you know, in your own mind, you probably can relate to this, wide open spaces is sort of like, oh, I want to be in those wide open spaces where I'm financially free, where my relationships are so good, where I'm actually living my health, everything, and we want to, that's what we want in the natural. No, that's not wide open spaces, that's what, what, not what God's saying. Yes, he will bless us in those areas. Wide open spaces mean that we are actually in a place where we're allowing, because our eyes are fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, not on our circumstances, so he lifts us up and carries us above our circumstances. Does that make sense? He can do that. I've experienced it, and I'm sure other people here have as well. But it's a daily, daily journey. We have to actually grow closer to Jesus, more time with him, more intimate with him. And just had a thought then, you know, I visited Jeff last week and he goes, mate, our God is so good. Our God is so good. He goes, here I am going through what I'm going through, but God is wanting me to go deeper with him, deeper with him. So his relationship with, with God is actually deeper. And that is an amazing thing in the middle of what he is working through. So praise God, he's doing a good work in 
Jeff and Susie in the middle of the challenges they're facing. I need to explain this a bit more. I had a a bit of a testimony last week. There's more to come. We know to shout our praise even if we're hemmed in with troubles. I had some troubles a couple of weeks ago. Um, I rocked up to to tennis coaching at 8am and I I got there in the car and had this headache across the top of my left eye and it was a pretty intense one. It wasn't a migraine because normally I get flashing. I went to get out of the car and I thought, oh, I've got no energy. I feel like I'm going to sort of almost collapse. I got out of the car and as I got there, I went, oh, wow, what's going on? And I lost my, like, it was like I was separate. I, could, I couldn't even, head was separate from the body. Tingles in my right arm and I went, this is not good. And I thought I was going to collapse. Got back in the car, felt a little better, settled a bit, got out again and the same thing happened. Tingles and the whole thing. I went, wow, this is not good. Um, ring Kaz take me to Yarrawonga Hospital. They said, look, we want to make sure it wasn't a stroke, like a mini stroke. Um, so the ambulance took me to um, Wangaratta and they did a CT scan. They found a little, in the carotid artery, a little di- a little vessel with a dissection. It's amazing how they can find it with it's a little tear in the carotid artery. So, so they put you on blood thinners, aspirin, and also cholesterol to stop you from the, the fat from actually causing a a clot, which means you could um, have a stroke. So they've done that, and they said, yeah, we'll then get you in touch with a, with a, um, a surgeon you know, down in Melbourne at some stage. So. And then I, I went, um, oh, that's all right, that's good. And I actually said, oh, thank you, Lord, you know, for, for locating this. Two days later, I had an MRI to make sure I hadn't had a stroke. And they said, good news, no stroke. I said, oh, thank you, doctor, that's great. Uh, but... We've found a three millimeter aneurysm in your brain. So with that, and I've gone, I've gone. Wow. Okay. How good is God that in the middle of, if I hadn't have found that, or if, God, if they hadn't have located that, 18 months later, I could have just dropped. So I'm, I'm going. I felt no stress at all. I felt complete peace for the next 10 days. I felt this is amazing. And I was, you know, um, feeling really good, knowing that God is in the middle of my situation. Does that make sense? So, so that was, and I had this amazing peace that only God could give. Absolute. And, and so I decided I'm going to share this last week at church. So I got up there and shared this with church. It was quite a powerful moment um, because the wide open spaces that I had in my mind imagined were not the wide open spaces that I was experiencing. But the wide open spaces that God had in mind for me was to lift me up above my circumstances, soaring on eagles' wings, where I won't grow weary, won't go tired, and he will carry me through that. So I want to encourage you that when you're going through stuff, you have to actually turn to God rather than to the things of the world that actually temporarily make us feel a little better. So I've been really good, and after that, after the testimony, I was, you know, it's like all of a sudden there's a bit of an attack going on. The last four days I've had intense headaches everywhere and um, all around and, and uh, no release for them. Normally I'd get, if I have these headaches, I'd go to the chiropractor. The chiropractor would go, yes, Greg, manual adjustment, and I would actually be fine. Nine times out of ten it would flow. Now they're going, sorry, Greg, we won't be doing that. You know, you've got an, an aneurysm. You've got an, so they're going, well, let's have a little clicker, and that, that did nothing for me. So I've had four days of going, what's going on? I didn't even want to come here today. I was, I was just in a lot of pain for four days. And, but God's good, and he's actually 
lifted that from me now and I'm feeling a lot better, so praise God. So I hope that encourages you. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. If we want to move into the wide open spaces that God has for us, we may need a change of thinking. As I said, God's love is unconditional, but his blessings are based on our obedience. I think we have a, a little bit of a, an understanding that, that uh, the blessings that God gives on us are the ones, the ones that we like, are the ones that make our life more comfortable, easier. But the greatest blessings I've ever had is when God's allowed me to go through some trials and some struggles and actually carried me through those and changed my heart for his glory. And so he continues, continues to do that today. What about this scripture? And we know in Romans 8.28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But James 1, 2, 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know, the, the monk, 1920, there was a monk called Francis Assisi. He said this, and I love this. He said, in everything you do, in everything you do, preach the gospel. And if absolutely necessary, use words. In, what's that mean? In everything you do, preach the gospel. In everything you do, if absolutely necessary, use words. So words and preaching the gospel, he's saying, are not the priority. Your life is meant to point people to Jesus. Your story, your testimony is meant to point people to Jesus. Love that. Remember when uh, a few weeks ago I spoke on a little bit on Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah. I'm just going to touch on him quickly. Because some of the things that God wants from us is he wants to grow us in character. And I looked at Nehemiah and went, wow, what a man of godly character. He had a heart for justice, a reverence for God, honest and real relationship with God. He had a confidence and a boldness to say to God, remember what you promised, Moses. He had a heart for the poor, persevered under opposition, was a leader of great influence. And he meditated and remembered God's faithfulness. They are qualities that we should be adopting and living with. All right, a few questions. How does this relate to us as Christians? What lessons can we learn from the Old Testament? And I've got here, we've had a, we need a change of thinking we've had. You know, the change of thinking is blessings are not always making our life easier. God can use the difficult times in our lives to actually bless us. But the next question is, what am I going to do differently in 2020? What am I going to do differently? If I do the same as what I did in 2019 and expect a change, that's not going to happen. We have to actually put some things in place. So we need a change of behaviour. So change of thinking, change of behaviour. So here's a, a few possible options. How about this? Maybe for you, it's commit to attending church each week. Not just when you feel like it, not just whenever it's convenient, but making it a priority for some people. Just get to church. That is a step of faith that God goes, oh, that's good. Well done. And then he can build from there. Maybe if you're a regular church, it might be a bit more daily prayer and Bible reading. 
Maybe it's join a life group. Maybe it's this one. I'm really, in Yarrawonga, we're really encouraging people to do this. A monthly catch-up with someone. Find someone that you can connect with. So if it was Stu and I said, I'm going I'm to catch up with Stu once a week. We're going to pray. We're going to journey. We're going to actually develop a relationship so that there's accountability. There's, there's actually encouragement and there's blessing that can come out of that. So we all need to find one person that we can speak into their lives and possibly someone else that can speak into ours as well. So we need to find that partner with someone once a month. I think it is really important if the church is to grow and to be pastorally cared for. So maybe that's something that you could do. Ask God, who, who do you want me to catch up with once a month that can actually help me in my relationship with, with Christ? Build a relationship with a non-Christian. Put God at the center of your life. Do you know what? Most Christians, absolutely, this is a fact, most Christians, 80% of Christians, will who love God, will have God in as part of their life. So, so God's a part of their life. But is he central to everything you're doing? What we tend to do is have God starts off in the center and we have career, work, family, relationships, hobbies, gaming, entertainment, all on the outside. They're all good things in themselves. But if we, if we actually put entertainment in the middle and put God on the outside, we're out of balance. If we put family in the middle and God on the outside, we're out of balance. These are good things, but they're great things if you put God in the centre. So we need to keep a daily, intimate relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, we'll quickly slip into the ways of the world. I think it's the next slide. Smuzz, I think it might be the one about the pastor. Oh, not Smuzz, he's having a rest. Thanks, Viv. There it is. Thank you. So, have a look here. Maybe it's a change of perspective. So, a change of thinking, a change of behaviour, or a change of perspective. I heard someone speak this years ago in the church in Melbourne I went to, and God reminded me of it. All right, what about this? Here I am, your new pastor. So, what does this mean? Here I am, your new pastor. Well, Darren... And Zoe, Keith and Pika, they can't pastorally care for everyone on their own. For two reasons. They don't have necessarily the gifting and they don't have the time. So what God's wanting us to do is to actually step up and go, oh, I can be a pastor. And Kaz later on is going to share for about five minutes about how simple it is to actually do this. So, for example, at home, Am I stepping up and going, I am the pastor of my home? My church, am I doing that at church? At work, men, men we're so good at, at doing church in a box and being you know, engaged and then we go to work and we don't, and we don't actually have that same perspective. You, know, you should be going to work and going, how can I bless that person? How can I, and rather than going, oh, I've got to go to work again. How can I actually bless others? and be the pastor at your work, at your school. Now, Michaela, I don't want to embarrass Michaela, but um, I said this at Yarrawonga, I said, so Michaela's starting Year 7 this year, and I said, this is what you should do, Michaela. Go to the school when they say, 
oh, what are you, what are you doing? Um, well, what are your interests? And tell us a bit about yourself. And she should go, here I am, your pastor in year seven at Sacred Heart College. She goes, Dad, that won't be happening. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. I want, you don't have to have a title to be a pastor. Michaela, um, there's a girl at the school with autism, quite a, you know, reasonable, she can be difficult at times, and so Michaela's had her in the same year level in year four, five, and six. She can be really quite difficult with her autism and not much fun. Michaela's had to work through relationship issues um, with just kids that weren't being very nice and mean and having trouble finding a, you know, best friend. So anyway, we got to the, this, and she came home one day and she said, Dad, this is after I told her to be the pastor of the school, and she said, Dad, you know what I'm going to do? The boys are bullying Leah, who's got the autism, calling her names. It's really upsetting me. I'm going to actually ask her to come and join our group and play. Now, that, that meant that she could get... She had to take a risk because her friends were not that keen on Leah joining the group. But she did that, got her over, and was a pastor to, to Leah. Then her birthday was, party was over the weekend. She invited all the girls in her class, not just the ones that were close to her. That's being a pastor in your school. She's actually ha- making a difference in her school. We can all... I was so proud of it. It was amazing. So um, we can all make a difference. What about our neighbourhood and community? Gee, here's one where I struggled a bit. Our neighbourhood, in the busyness of life, I missed an opportunity. Neighbours either side, one side of the neighbourhood get on really well with them, we've got a good relationship. The other side's okay, we don't see much of them. Two doors up, both the husband and wife have struggled with cancer. I don't even know their names. I don't even know their names. So I am not being the pastor needed in my neighbourhood. I need to reach out. The business of life and church and school and family and job, you know, and trying to do... I need to improve in that area. What area for you guys are you not being a pastor that Jesus wants you to be? Question three, how can the church help you become a greater influence in your world? You can serve. You can serve. The church provides opportunity for you to serve. Serve with um, existing ministries. Come up with new ministries. Rather than be a, um, a person who sits there and just observes and watches and takes, you can actually step out and be more than a volunteer through Christ who strengthens us. I heard that saying once, you know. We're not volunteers at churches. We're actually part of God's kingdom, part of his body. Part of, you know, we're actually more than that. It's actually part of his family. So we actually need to get up and say, it's time. I'm going to take a step and actually do more and start caring for more people in my church. What about this one? You'll be able to relate to this. The church provides you an opportunity to grow in grace. What happens is... I don't know whether you realise it, but there are people in your church that actually can rub you up the wrong way, that can actually offend you, fall short of your expectation, let you down. What a great opportunity to be for God to go, oh, wow, that's perfect. That's why I put broken people in my church, because you can grow in grace, Bruce. All of a sudden, oh, I've got a choice to make. They really annoy me. Or am I going to grow in grace? And God wants us all because, you know what, he wants us to be a little bit more like Jesus. The world says if someone lets you down, write them off. Jesus says if they let you down, show grace. 
the same as I've shown you, Grace. It's time to step up. This church here will not grow until people actually start to say, I will take responsibility to respond in a way that brings glory to Jesus' name. People will be drawn to you, I promise you. Drawn to this church. Not easy. Actually, you know, it's impossible unless you're actually full of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to get, um, oh, before I get Kaz to come up, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. That means that everyone can play a part, a small link in the chain. You don't have to actually get up here and lead people to Christ and go out the streets and evangelise. You just have to love other people, care for other people, and God will do the rest. It says here, Apollos watered. It's, uh, Paul did something else and God made it grow. So God takes responsibility, but you have a part to play. Uh, there's a story of um, in South Korea, a guy called Yong Yi Cho. He was over there. He was about 17 years of age and he was depressed. He had a uh, bad disease and he didn't want to live. But this Christian girl just kept coming around and showing love on him and sharing her story and just ministering to him. Eventually, he gave his heart to the Lord at 17 or 18. He then went into ministry full-time and now um, has a church of up to a million people in South Korea. That girl just did her bit. You don't know what God will use your heart and your, your service to bless someone else and, and to advance the kingdom. So we actually have to take a step of faith. That's two things. One, a little bit daunting, but secondly, exciting. Exciting. God wants us to love and care for our community, and he will do the judging and the saving. His job is to judge and save. Our job is to love and care. So Kaz is going to come up and show you and speak to you about for about seven or eight minutes about how we can do this in our lives. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Okay. <laughs> um, we had the privilege of having an incredible lead pastor by the name of Kim Hammond. We were in Melbourne, and he had a real heart for reaching the community, and he had a heart to train you know, the members of the church on how we can reach the community, because it is a little bit daunting sometimes. I think sometimes the thought of sharing our faith can be like, oh, what are they going to say, but what if they reject us, or you know, what if they ask us really difficult questions that we can't answer, and sometimes it can feel a little bit daunting, and look, to be honest, it's not something that comes really naturally to me, like, um, like Greg's very natural at it, you know, he can just... I'm not going to say you've got the gift of the gab because that's probably not the right term to use, is it, really? But it comes very, very naturally. Where I get nervous, I get the sweaty palms and I think my heart starts going 100 miles an hour and I go, oh, what am I supposed to say? But we are called to reach those around us and it's not just our neighbours, you know, it's those, it's those in our family. You know, how do I reach my own children who aren't walking with God? You know, how do I do reach, you know, those in the church who are struggling with their faith and all that sort of thing. So he came, Kim Hammond came up with this really good concept called bless. Now, when I go through bless, doesn't mean you have to go through this in that particular order, but it can just help you get your, your head in a space where you go, yeah, I can actually do that. You know, this is not too hard. So bless. B is begin with prayer. You know, everything that we do should be wrapped up in prayer. Prayer should be central to absolutely everything that we do. 
Jesus prayed, and Jesus is our role model, if Jesus prayed, then we should pray. You know, Jesus prayed for guidance in places of silent solitude. I don't know, but I've had some of my, my most incredible prayer moments in that quiet space when I sit at the feet of Jesus. You know, we need to pray. Luke 6, 12, you know, Jesus spent the night praying to God. He spent many hours in prayer. And for us, when we start praying for those people that are nearest and dearest to us or, you know, praying about it into our community, those around us, it's like, God, who do you want me to connect with? Father God, who do you want me to share your love with? You know, it's when I go to work, Greg Michaela looked at me straight at me when Greg goes, you need to, you know, go to work with an attitude of being a pastor in your work. I go to work most mornings going, oh, what am I going to walk into? But God's got me there and he's kept me there and he knows I I don't want to be there but he's kept me in this place and it's having a shift in my attitude. God, who do you want me to minister to in my workplace? You know, because these people that I work with need to know who Jesus is. They need to know the love of Jesus. Jesus, how do I do that? Show me. And God might show you. He might just, you know, give you a picture. He might show you a face. You might just be talking to someone and have that sense that, you know, that God wants you to speak to them. The conversation might just start to flow. But it's always being in prayer. And, you know, it's God, help me to um, show me. Give me the heart for that person. Or, Father God, this person, say if I'm, you know, speak, it's joy, for example. You know, Father God, I just ask that joy's heart would be opened and softened to your words that you're wanting me to speak into their lives. So everything we do needs to be wrapped in prayer. Show me ways to build the relationship. All right, next is L. Listen. Listen to their story. You know, quite often as Christians, we can listen, but our minds are going, well, how am I going to answer this? What advice can I give? Oh, I know I've been through that. I know exactly what to say, but we need to take a step back and we need to have open ears and open hearts and listen to their story. Get to know what makes them tick. Get to know what their lives are all about. Get to know what they believe and what they feel. And when they see that we listen, it builds trust. You know, and it also helps people feel like they are valued. I mean, how do you feel when someone sits down and says, you know, how are you going? What's going on with you? And you're looking at them in the eye and you are invested in their conversation. How does it make you feel? It makes you feel important. It makes you feel valued. People want to feel important and want to feel valued. Now, this, I love this story in the Bible. It's actually one of my favorite stories. I get so much out of it. And it's Luke 8 verses 40 to 15. It's the story of the woman who had that issue with bleeding for many, many years. So Jesus is on the way to Jairus' house. So Jesus is on a mission. He's busy. He's got somewhere to go. He's got somewhere to be. He's got something really important to do. And here this woman pushes through the crowd. She reaches out and she touches the hem of his robe. And then he feels the power leave his body and this woman is instantly healed. But what the word tells us is Jesus turns, he stops. Remember, he's busy, he's on his way somewhere. He stops, he turns, and what does he do? He listens to her. He listens to her story. So she falls to her knees, and she tells him absolutely everything. We don't know how long that took, but he listened. And in that moment, I believe she felt valued, 
important, seen for the very first time in many, many years. Maybe that person that you're listening to, no one's listened to them for many, many years. You don't know how it's going to affect that person. So listen to them. Learn to listen. The next one, E, is eat. Who loves to sit around a table and share a meal with people? You know, it's such a joyful thing to do. Sharing meals for Jesus was vital to his, to the, his role and to his ministry and to the mission that he had. Jesus ate with so many different people. He ate with sinners. He ate at the home of Mary and Martha. He ate tax collectors with the Pharisees. He sat with them. He enjoyed their company. He laughed. He taught. He discipled. A lot of this happened around a table of food. There is something about eating with people. You know, I actually read this um, last night. It said about Jesus sitting around a table eating. It said, His presence with them demonstrated a powerful truth about the kingdom of God. In their culture, a meal was never simply a meal. To eat with someone communicated deep and sincere acceptance of that person. I love that. It communicated deep and sincere acceptance of that person. When you invite someone into your room, into your world, around a table, it's I'm accepting you. Come join me. I value you. I I enjoy your company. I want to get to know you. Meals represents grace towards others. Because when we sit around a table sharing a meal, it breaks barriers. It brings people together. It creates an atmosphere for conversation. I don't know about you, but when I sit around a table with a group of people, it's just like I relax and the conversation starts to flow. I feel safe in that space. I enjoy the company. Again, it builds trust and it starts to build relationship with people. So whether it's at home, whether it's a coffee shop, wherever it may be, invite someone for a meal. Sit, listen, enjoy their company and accept that person. All right, the next one is S, is to serve. So we've been praying for God. God, who is it that you want me to connect with? And maybe he's brought someone in your world. You've listened to their story. You've gotten to know them. You've shared a meal with them. You've had a cup of coffee with them. And all this time, as you're getting to know them, you hear their story. You go, God, how can I, how can I serve this person? You know, God, you care about this person's needs. You care about where they're at. How can I show the love of Jesus through serving this person? You know, maybe it's a single mum. You know, I've, I was a single mum for five or six years with three kids. I know how tough it is. When everyone's, anyone said to me, hey, can I just help pick up the kids from school? Or do you need a break? Can I just have them for the, you know, take them to a movie? It was like, oh, yes, please. It was a need that was met, you know, and it was like, oh, my goodness, why would you do that? See, questions can be raised. Why would you do that for me? You know, maybe it's someone who's sick. Take, offer to take them to the doctors or do their shopping for them. Someone's car's broken down. Offer to take them um, to drive them to pick it up from the mechanics. Whatever it is, look for the need and serve that person and show the love of Jesus through serving. You know, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And Jesus served many. You know, Jesus washed feet He fed thousands, he visited the sick, he spent time with those that absolutely no one else cared about. He saw the need and he met that need. So he did not only 
lead by serving. He showed us how to serve, but he loved by serving. So we need to learn to serve people. We need to learn to genuinely care about people, even people that many people in our society will shy away from. So begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and then the last one is share. Don't we have a share up there? Share your story. You know, we need to plant the seed and allow Jesus, allow God to water it. And we just keep it simple. We don't have to open the Bible and do, you know, a theological debate with them. It's just sharing your encounter with God. How has God moved in your life? How has God helped you through different situations? You know, if I was to meet with a single mum, I have, can tell them how Jesus helped me move through that period in my life, his goodness and his faithfulness. It's about sharing your testimony, keeping it simple, and just allow God to water the seed. I'm almost done, honey, so if you want to get ready to come back up. Are you? Excellent. So a few weeks ago at work, you know, I'm sitting there going, oh, two o'clock, I'm out of here at three. Hurry up that one hour. You know, I was hanging out to get out of there and I'm rolling the dough. I'm making, rolling the pizza dough. And one of the girls, she just said to me, oh, what are you up to this weekend? And most of them know I go to church because they know I've been to Uganda. So I'm reasonably open about that. I said, oh, I've got church on the weekend, rah, rah, rah. She goes, Kaz, she goes, why is your faith so important to you? And of course my heart goes, and I went, okay, Jesus, please help me. And then I just started to talk and I just kept it simple. We, she was asking me questions and we were having conversation and we finished rolling the dough and she goes, you know what, Kaz, I love the way that your faith has been such a positive thing in your life. And that was the end of our conversation. Three o'clock came. You know, Eliza, she's off to uni now. And I don't know, maybe she'll have a conversation with someone else. Maybe when she's on break, we'll pick it up at some stage. But all I know is that I have planted a seed. All I know, like Greg mentioned before, I am a link in the chain. I don't know what's going to come next, but God does. So can I encourage you to, to pray, to listen, to eat, to serve and to share? It doesn't have to be in that particular order, but be led by the Spirit and watch what God does. Thanks, Kaz. That's not too difficult, is it? It's not too difficult. We can all do that. We can all pray, listen, share a meal, serve someone, and then share our story. If we do that, leave the rest to God. Simple, but very powerful. I'm going to bring this to a close now because some of you might be sitting here going, that's okay for you, Greg. You're not sure. You don't know what I'm going through. And I don't. And there are seasons in our lives where we can't actually do as much as we'd like to. That's okay. You know, the church is meant to be a a safe place, a hospital for people to heal, grow in a loving environment. So if that's you and you're going, oh, I just can't do it. I just don't, I don't, don't, there's no guilt with that. It's just the fact that you are going through a season that is not easy to do that. But you don't want to stay in that place. A season is for a time. Then you move. You move on. I want to encourage you and inspire you because, and I I often bring this guy up because um, he just inspires me. He's a hero of my faith. Um, We've got that picture up. You've seen him before. I think I used him in the last sermon. Smuzzer's going to get that. Nick Vojcic, remember I've shared on him before. For Nick, he has no arms and no legs. 
he ministers in prisons, schools, crusades around the world and shares about how much God loves him. If there was someone who was going to say, I don't know where God is or God couldn't love me, I've got no arms and no legs, it would be Nick Vujicic, but no, no, he shares about God's love. And you know what for Nick? It's not, it's not a season for Nick. He, he, he's not waiting till he gets arms and legs. He's actually pushing through and doing stuff for God despite the challenges that he faces. And God's using him and blessing him abundantly. He is certainly a hero of faith for me. How can I become a godly influence in my world? Micah 6, 8 says, To act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. How are we going to respond as we launch into 2020? Are we just going to keep going and doing the same stuff we've been doing for the last 12 months and going, where are you, God? Or are we going to take a step of faith, have a different perspective in the way we think, put some habits in place that are actually going to be God's going to bless, draw close to him, have a more intimate relationship with him? Are we going to bless other people? There's only one way we can do this, and we're going to get you to stand, please, for one last song and, we, and minister. Let God minister to us.